Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. Good to see you this morning. It's good to be with you. Well, if you've got a Bible or a digital device, you could open it to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Praise the Lord. Today was a membership Sunday. We got to bring people into membership. I have an opportunity to continue a series that Pastor Doug started um, called Pursuit 2020. And today is about community. Everybody say community. 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 Amen. Beautiful. Acts chapter 2. So we're just going to jump right in for the sake of time. And um, Acts chapter 2, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. 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 I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of community in the life of a believer. First, I want to share with you about something that many of you are probably familiar with that I have not had the experience in in real life to experience, and that's how many of you have ever visited the Redwoods in Northern California, the Redwood Forest in Northern California? Wow. Amen. Oh, many of you. Well, I have never had the privilege to see the Redwoods. I've read stories about them. I've seen photos, video. And I heard this week that there was a giant Redwood tree, kind of a world famous one that had the hole cut out that you could drive a car through the bottom of it. I heard that it collapsed earlier this week and is no longer. The bummer is it was, it was kind of the hinge point of my illustration this morning, and it's no longer there. But I do want to talk to you about something fascinating about the Redwoods. Think about this for a moment. It's really, it, it's the Lord. The largest living things on earth are Redwood trees, some up to 300 feet tall and more than 2,500 Years old, somebody just shared with me something just a few minutes ago and said that, do you realize that some of the oldest redwood trees that we have in California today were present while Jesus walked the earth? They were, and they were old then. Wow. Some of the tallest trees. Think about this. What kind of root system would it take? What kind of root system would it take to support a 300-foot tree? Now, I can imagine that uh, a a tremendous one, uh, a very deep and very vast, reaching down maybe hundreds of feet into the earth to support such a strong structure, I can imagine. But but that is not the case. Redwoods are quite fascinating. They, they, They do best in groupings, redwoods. Their root system only goes to average five or six feet deep. Think about this for a minute. Redwoods. But their network of roots wide go very wide. 
And they, they get their strength from intertwining their roots with other redwood trees. Some writers and researchers have noted in the midst of storms that the forest floor and the floor of a redwood forest will buck and heave feet in the middle of a raging storm. Think about this. Broad root system. Very shallow. Several hundred feet tall trees. And being battered by winds, the vast network and interlocking of roots Fight against the stress of the storm. It holds them together. Now, if it was a singular redwood, it would most surely fall over, even at the slightest wind. But gaining their strength through interlocking roots, they can support and sustain even the most fiercest of storms that would blow through. I was thinking about this illustration when I was thinking about the idea of bringing new members and community. That God has given us his church, which is his body of Christ on earth. And when one has made a decision to follow Christ, followed by water baptism, one is baptized into the body of Christ. And through Christ, we are bound together in a community of faith. Our roots interlock through Christ. Belonging to Christ, we belong to each other, as Pastor Doug just illustrated. Fellowship with Christ means fellowship with each other, and through Christ, God has made us a family, a community of faith, and this is our God-given support system. It's crucial and vital in our lives as believers. So first, I just want to talk about a few things about that. First, the community of believers gathered together on a regular basis for worship, prayer, study, and fellowship. In Acts 2.44, part of it says that all who believed were together. All who believed were together. I want to debunk a few things about the idea of church and about the gathering, about community back in the day. As some people might believe, well, that was the heyday of the early church. Or, man, that was, uh, that was, it was rocking and rolling, and thus it may be easier back then. But think about this. Back then, the early church faced difficult circumstances. There was state-sponsored persecution and persecution from other sects and belief structures. And, and war was afoot in many places as the early church went and very unsafe and unstable. But they were bound by faith. They had a unity. They were together. They were dependent on each other. Many hands make light work and when one falls, others are there to pick them up. Think about this. But there were many obstacles. Think about the community of people. Discouragement, temptation, sin, apathy, failure, materialism, unbelieving family and friends, doubts, rejection, unanswered questions. It was no harder then in those realms than it is now where people. We also have temptations Disagreements, discouragement, sin, apathy, failure, materialism, unbelieving family and friends, doubts, rejection, and unanswered questions. And right here in our midst, the thing that binds us and brings us together is Jesus. Think about this. If it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't be sitting here listening to me. Somebody's like, that's right, brother. I would not be here. But because of Jesus and your faith in Christ and what he's done for you, what you've seen through scripture, you are here, present and in our midst. 
Second, they ha- the early church had their attention in the proper place. And I just want to set this out there as we, as we continue to go. Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Number one, the early church, they had their focus clear. The message of Jesus that he was born, he lived, he died and rose again, that he was redemption and hope, and that he was a healer and a restorer. Come on, come on. That's the message we hang on to. And that the apostles modeled what was taught right before them. Think about the early church. As they walked and as their lives were being transformed, the apostles were there to journey. Think about you being in the market one day, just minding your own business, walking along, and you see Peter. Oh, that's Peter. Oh, what's he doing? And here's Peter, right in the gathering. Silver and gold, I don't have any. Such as I have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And you see it right before your eyes. Or pick any of the disciples. The demonstrations of the power of God were right before them. Right in that midst. Can you imagine the testimony of the early Christian that saw that back in home group or small group or life group or Bible study? Think about that conversation. Man, you're just itching. You're eating together, and he's like, I got something to share. I saw a guy get up and walk, and one of the disciples did it. Yeah, and faith began to arise. They had their focus on the right thing. They were able to observe good practice and listen to good instruction, and they had communion often. They were regularly together in one another's homes. So I want to talk to you a little bit about community. In his book, The Connecting Church, author Randy Frazee writes, The experience of authentic community is one of the purposes God intends to be fulfilled by the church. The writings of scripture lead one to conclude that God intends the church not to be one more bolt on the will of activity in our lives, but the very hub at the center of one's life. Community, church, the gathering... Does it often work that way in our lives? Well, even think about this morning. Think about this morning. Maybe even think about how I was feeling. Woke up. Oh. Church today? Oh, I'd like to rest more. (laughs) It's been a busy week. Oh, it feels so good. Maybe optional. As opposed to, oh, church today? Oh, yeah. What a great way to start off my week. I get to celebrate with a community of believers. Like something begins to change as we begin to grasp the idea of what it is that we're doing when we worship and celebrate together. The church, the local community of believers is vital to our health as Christians. To our health as Christians, there's no such thing as loner Christians. There's no such thing as Christians who have decided in good health to do the journey on their own and that they remain healthy. There's no such thing. Left to ourselves, we give ourselves over to crazy thoughts and imaginations and weird behavior practices, right? I mean, have you, ever, have you ever watched any show like Mountain Man or Hermit and observed just something like you're watching and, and, the, and the teleprompter says, you know, or somebody says, you know, they've been alone for 25 years. And you're watching this thing and you're thinking, I can tell. I can tell. 
what is it that lends itself to show you that you could tell? There's a few oddities. They begin to do some things that were like in, in, in a community, being in community, community doesn't stand for necessarily. In community, you'll get... In community, you might have somebody come along and say, Brother, sister, uh, I just heard what you said. Do you mean what you just said? Can we just take a moment and dialogue about this? I don't quite think it works that way. Or in community, you might do something, and community might be like, whoa, grab the Bible, bring it to you, and say, I need to talk to you about something. Here's some scripture. Can we dialogue about this? And then overlay it on your life and say, let's walk and journey through this together. It's so healthy for us as Christians. It's not an independent faith. It's necessary that we be there for each other. That we can stand with one another. We each have a part in the faith journey of one another. You never know the impartation you're going to have in somebody else's faith journey. You never know. You don't know the implications and the mark that you're going to leave on somebody's life, either through interaction or observation. I have a story to share, and this impacted me greatly and even rocked my world for, for months. And still to this day, I think often about it, and they're here in second service. And that's Cole Hammerly. If you've never had a chance to spend some time with him, you're missing out. But one day we were having a discussion or, or Dr. Cole, as you may know him, some of you. One day we were having a discussion, and I was dialoguing with him. I think the content of the conversation is irrelevant until the moment his wife and son showed up in his presence. And I watched this man go from talking to me, and the way he turned to his wife and son and gave them preference and was gentle to them, it rocked me. It rocked me. I don't know that I've, I don't know that I experienced that observation. I, I know I have, but in that moment, it was a God revelation to me. I, I came away. I can't even remember what we talked about. All I could think in my head was, bro, you're supposed to be gentle with your wife, Scripture says, <laughs> and your family. Community. Community. I observed something so healthy and profound. I never would have got another way. It was God's principle played out in real life. Though I've read it in scripture time and time again. Are you tracking with me? Like we need one another. Hebrews 10.25 says, Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Uh, this is a part in there, but let us encourage one another. The idea that we can get together, we can dialogue, we can hang out, we can talk, we can have communion together, and right in the midst of that, we will glean from one another and we'll come away richer of a deposit in Christ in our own lives because of that. Henry Nowen, the theologian and author, points out, we are unified by our common weaknesses, our common failures, our common disappointments, and our common inconsistencies. That's a good observation. Because if you're here this morning and you're looking for the perfect church and perfect people, and you've landed here this morning, 
you've landed in the wrong place. Might as well go to the next place. I, actually, not the next place because they're the same. You should go to the next way. I don't think anywhere in Moses Lake is going to have the perfect church. So maybe Tri-Cities or Spokane or, oh, wait a minute. That isn't going to work either. Uh, maybe California, Oregon, or Idaho might have what you're looking for. So just continue on. Oh, wait a minute. They're comprised of people, so that's not going to work. Maybe this is it, that there's no such thing as the perfect church. Because we're in it. Just think about this. You're here. I'm here. We're here. And we all have things in common that we can relate to. We have weaknesses. We have failures. We have, we have just the, the whole uh, concoction of our life situation put into us. And this is the expression. I have to live this out somewhere. How, who I am and allow Jesus to impact me. Well, this is where it begins to get messy because on the one hand, I might be really nice one moment and on the next moment, you might trigger something in me and you get this reaction or response you never thought and I wound you. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute because the, the marks of community, oh man, the marks of community is unity. The Apostle Luke informs us that all the believers were of one heart and one mind. What was that? Well, it's because of Christ they were united. Jesus' grace was the glue in the relationships. They were led by the Holy Spirit. What is this mind or the mind of Christ? To think and act like Christ. The thing that you want out of each and every one of us, you want Christ coming through in all his glory. That's what we want. When I, when I interact with another Christian and, I, and, I'm, and I'm talking and dialoguing and, and we're, we're having a heart to heart and they share something with me, I am longing for the grace of God to come through that conversation and hit me. That's what I'm desiring I'm wanting something of a good word or a word or an expression that would, that would bring life to my soul, even if it hurts. Tell me what you got to say. I know you're in Christ, and so I know you're not going to leave me. We're together on this. We're in unity. Consequently, God used for powerful things countless believers. Think about this. Where one could put so many to flight, two puts more, and five put more, and ten put more, and a hundred. God uses people to accomplish his will and mission. There's strength in community and in our gatherings. In our lives, life can be difficult. <clears throat> Even if your life is easy, we are all touched by sin and its consequences. In the life of David, he knew difficulty, both what he experienced that he didn't, uh, that he didn't merit or cause, and that both that he caused in Psalms 61.2. He cried out to God, and part of it says, I call to you as my heart grows faint. God, I need you. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I need you. And in verse 5, the answer arrives. You have given me the answer, the heritage of those who fear your name. David was proclaiming that the answer to God, the answer from God to him was the righteous people who were in the land. Think about this. Think about this. How often God's design is using people, people to answer that. People often times can be the expression of God's love to us. Author Gary Burgi says, when God's love feels distant or non-existent, the body of Christ's love is real and tangible. 
It's the method that he uses. It's the answer so often that when we cry out, God, I need your help. How, how am I going to learn this or get through this? Or how, how am I going to know I'm going to make it? And then all of a sudden on the front door. Or the phone. You get a notification. And it's a Christian. And it's a Christian. Hello? And right before your very eyes, God is answering your cry. Christian. Jesus. You see, we all have the opportunity in the context of community to be a minister. We have opportunities to minister to one another, to carry one another's burdens, to share words with one another, to meet needs in one another's lives. We have opportunities to be examples to one another. You don't need a fancy title. You don't need a fancy position. You don't need, a, you don't need it on staff at a church to do what the Lord wants you to do in other people's lives. He's called all of us in community. In community, some of those powerful examples that I experienced was when I was a youth leader. And one, one example is, is, is uh, at my home, uh, a family in crisis with, uh, with a young person knocked on the door. Hey, and they showed up, the whole family, come right into the living room. I'm standing there. Candace is standing there. And I'm like, okay. And the whole interaction, I think, happened without me saying a word. The family rolls in, and I experienced Tension, the offender. Tension from a parent to their young person. And this style pleading and expression of anger. And I watched it walk through in full circle to an embrace and a weeping. And I remember me and Candace just standing there like, and when it was all done, they're like, okay, thank you so much. We're so glad we came. And they walked out and I'm, I didn't do anything. But it was the picture of God's heart to me. You know, I learned in those moments early on that family, there's something really holy about family. There's something really holy about parents and children, the dynamics that play in that. And the Lord cares about that. And in verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They shared their goods. They shared their finances. This is really powerful. Christians together care for Christians. And one of the things that strikes me is even in this church, our church is not afraid to risk it caring for people. It's been, it's been, it's been modeled to me. It's been shown. I, I've seen it. I've seen others. I've, I've witnessed it that, that right here in this gathering that our people are not afraid to give. They're not afraid not only to give of finances. They're not afraid to, to give of their, their tangible things. You need that? Yeah, take it. Heard you needed this for you. Take it. Christians doing what Christians should do. Good job, church. Good job. Guidance. See, here's the thing. It's for you. In community, we gain much, much importance to the idea that we would glean input, direction, and correction from one another. That, that we would be able to go to somebody who's farther along in the journey and say, I see how you've modeled that. I, I want to know what you've done. Can you, can you give me a download? Can you share with me? Can you show me what you've done? Direction, correction. I remember being corrected one time by Pastor Keith. If any of you guys have ever been corrected by Pastor Keith. Wow. 
the, the man in a godly way has it down. I remember sitting with him, sitting in front of him, and I'm just, I'm just sharing with him, or I did something. I can't even remember what I did, but I did something. His eyebrows rose, and he looked right at me, and in the rest of the dialogue, he, I felt like I had been slapped verbally, and I had been, I had been cared for, and then I had been encouraged, and I'm sitting there. I just got corrected. I don't feel rejected. If this is what it's like, I want more of this. I think I've been longing for this. I, I don't know if anyone would say that, but, but I, I'm, I, I want to be told when I'm wrong or tell me no. I need to change. Oh, something's different. You'll only get that in the community setting. Otherwise, you're off on your own, doing your own thing, believing your own stuff and, and adhering to gospel and doctrines that, that aren't even sound on your own. It's, it's amazing what Christians lend themselves to. Have you ever played the game telephone? Telephone? Where you, where you hear one thing on the one end. According to all of God's riches and glories, he's, he's going to care for us. And, you know, the, the Apostle Paul prays, for this reason I bow my knee, that you would be strengthened on the inside. And then he goes on this great text about the depths and riches of God and his faithfulness and telephone. God wants you to be rich and have everything you want and do whatever you want. And you're going to be famous. Here's what the community does. Welcome, community. Hey, I got to talk to you about something. You don't really believe that, do you? <laughs> let's talk. Let, let's bring some scripture. Let's dialogue. Let's see. I uh, just one phrase for you. Persecuted Christians. Are they not? Anyways. Guidance. Ephesians 3.10 declares that God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known through the power of the Holy Spirit and people, people, you have something to say. You have something to share. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another. Tidbit that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin, without a doubt, sin deceives. It promises much but delivers little. I've never encountered, experienced, observed where people got everything they thought they would get with sin. The bitter fruit of sin works its way. But in the community of believers, when it's listened to and adapted and absorbed and, and worked out, can save you, preserve you, rescue you, and keep you. Being in community is not without its difficulties. I understand I'm present. Not without difficulty. We're made up of sinners saved by grace. God's community is not the absence of conflict and difficulties, but the presence of a reconciling spirit. Here is the game changer. We're here. So, so it's, it's highly likely that one of you is going to do something to somebody else that hurts and wounds. The question is, how are you going to manage through that? And the game changer is the grace of God. Game changer. Game changer that we would approach that with an opportunity to reconcile and be stronger because of it. Look around. Think about it. I'm here in your midst. It's kind of tough sometimes. If, you've, if I've ever rubbed you the wrong way, you're here. We, we are vessels 
that the potter created, that life had its way with, that the master craftsman recreated for his use. The purpose is so that it can be used again, right? And in the midst of that, some of us might still have some broken shards around. And you might run into some rough edges or some other spaces and, and still character issues abound. And right there in the midst, we as a community of believers have to decide how we're going to interact with that. But we're not going to pull away. And we're not going to draw away to a lonely place or solitary place because we draw in. Here's the thing. What we see, the work of Christ and what God has done for people it gives us a lot of hope. Jesus is the hope. And we always need to be in that centered place of, I am a recipient of the grace of God, the radical grace of God. They are too. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Not without it to the conclusion. Ephesians 2.19, it reminds us the thought is you are no longer foreigners and aliens separated from God, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of the household of God. There are some of you in your life, you have longed to belong. Come on, somebody. Come on, you've longed to belong. I'm telling you, if you've encountered Jesus saving grace, you belong here. You belong any place that preaches the name of Jesus and his grace, redemptive work, and his resurrection. You belong. You belong. We have hope. And in Acts 2.42, it says the early believers, one part, says they devoted themselves to fellowship. I want to encourage you. You want to grow in God? One of the ways that you can grow in God is to be around other Christians. Be around other Christians. You want to catch attributes of how it works or, or learn lingo about how they talk? Christians talk a certain way. I hope you know that. They do. The Apostle Paul has some instruction about how Christians should talk. It's in the scriptures. Read it. Obey it. Follow it. There is a way. There is a way. We're people of faith and a good word on our mouth. and It's, 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 a, it's a way. If you want to, to, to be around all that and, and, and learn it and embrace it, you've got to be around other believers. Yeah. 